Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. It's another NL full-time. I'm Luke Edwards. Hope you've had a good week. And it's been another packed weekend in the National League. And joining me to look over it, we have Chris Pratt. Hiya, Chris. Hello, Luke. Good morning. In his van waiting for his son to kick off. Yeah. Football, that is, not angrily kicking Not his off. temper. Yeah, not his temper, yeah. And uh, we've also, that is the voice of Rob Worrell. Hiya, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. Hi, guys. He needs a lockdown. He needs a haircut as well, Rob. Yeah, I'd have to stop working for five minutes to have one of those, but hopefully booked in. Me and me and Dickie are already booked in next Friday, but not at the same salon at the same time, is it? Hello there. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll both be uh, a little bit shorn by this time next week, hopefully. So uh, there, yeah, this might be the last time that our photographs appear advertising the podcast, loving, looking this dishevelled, I would imagine. <laughs> and also joining us, it is our special guest. Um, it is, are you still, are you? Still old enough for uh, England C, Ryan, or are you too old now? No, no I'm past it, it now, I think. You're past it now, <laughs> yeah. Former, former England C. Yeah. England C and Stockport County player, Ryan Crowsdale. Hi, Ryan. Hi, uh, you okay? Hi, guys. Yeah, great. Cheers. Hi, and, um, well, we might as well get on to the, to, to the Stockport County result because it was... Uh, from the three o'clock kickoffs, it was certainly the biggest game of the day. It was Wrexham against Stockport County, and it's three defeats in a row now for Wrexham. Stockport County went there, really impressive performance, uh, three goals to nil win. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, I think a good result following our draw with Bromley on on TV on on the Monday. Um, but it's just frustrating. Obviously, we you try and win them games, and you expect kind of a few of the teams around us to drop points, but everyone seems to win as well. So uh, our main focus is just on ourselves and just keeping keeping ourselves, you know, kind of in an order and, and winning them points. You're very solid at the back, but you haven't been scoring quite as many. I know that's been an issue for the team, but it all clicked, didn't it, on Saturday? Yeah, yeah. I think there's been times where it has clicked. I know, obviously, the Solly Hall game, I know they were down to 10 men, but it kind of, after that first goal went in, I think we've got a mentality in the team that we score score early, we'll go on to score kind of two or three. Um, and I think we've, in terms of the defensive side of it, we've, I think, gone to six, six goals in 15 games, you know, so... From that defensive side, has been really solid, but it's probably just getting that that balance between between the both. Really, are you finding that um, obviously at the start of the season, County would have been up there as one of the favourites with a lot of bookies, along with probably Notts County. Are you mm. finding that teams are raising the game um, when they come and play you? Yeah, definitely. I think um, obviously with the kind of the funds behind the club as well, with the chairman, probably there's most teams want to come here and it's probably their cup final. Uh, they think maybe we're top of the league and things. And want to and want to beat us, so we've got to kind of deal with that. We've got players in our dressing room that can deal with that. So, you know, it's just taking that in our stride. And you've you're having to play with. So obviously, you played a sort of defensive midfield role. You played with Will Collar a couple of games ago, didn't yeah. you? You probably played with Jordan Keane there. I know he's he's, he's dropped back to um, playing the back three a lot of the time. So you're often with different um, sort of, if you like, mini teammate in your yeah. uh, in your defensive midfield. How, how do you find that? Yeah, it's been good to be fair. Everyone who's kind of come into the team has done really well. Um, in terms of the squad, obviously the squad is big and you'd say most players in the team and, and think they'd be starting. So everyone who's coming in is, is doing well. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to kind of keep my shirt at the moment. Um, but like you said, there's even Lois Maynard, John Rooney. There's players in there that should be should be playing at this level. So, you know, you're working hard in training to keep that shirt and, you know, when you go out on the pitch to, to give it your all. 
and you had to wait a little bit of time before you you became you've become a regular now, pretty much, haven't you? One of the first names on the team sheet, but it didn't come straight away, did it? You had to work hard to uh, to get that position. Yeah, obviously my my departure from Fylde obviously was drawn out a bit a bit longer than, than expected. Um, I come in and the Jim Gannon was obviously the manager at the time, and uh, he kind of wanted me to ease me in slowly um, to kind of get used to the surrounding, which is you know fair enough, but. Obviously, as a player, you just want to get there and play. Um, but I did have to buy my time, and I thought when I when I did come on, you know, I showed my ability and my quality. So hopefully, that's what kind of put me in good stead, you know, going forward and, and kept me in the team at the moment. So, yeah. I was I was going to ask Brian about that transition between Jim Gannon and the new manager. I mean, obviously, Jim Gannon, club legend, the fans absolutely loved him. They were devastated by his departure. So, does that? put more pressure on the squad now to win promotion and win games because every sort of non-win does that does that pressure isn't it going oh have they made the right managerial choice and mm. things like that yeah I think at the start of the the changeover there's always going to be them questions but I think the new gaffer has come in and obviously give us a, a different dimension of us playing and and he's got everyone kind of you know working hard and and wanting to play the right way um I, I got on with Jim you know really well uh obviously I've played against him in the past for Kidderminster and always spoke to him after games and and got on with him. So, yeah, there's going to be a change, whether that's, you know, higher up, whether that's in terms of the new chairman coming in and taking over, uh, as well as the, as the managerial side. So, yeah, there was going to be a change, but there's always a pressure from from any any big club that wants to get promoted that if you if you do lose a game, there's going to be people that are, that are upset, but it's how you react to that and bounce back. Ryan, in all fairness, um, different reasons, really. It wasn't a, as big a club, but there was always this massive expectation at Fylde as well, wasn't there? So you must be used to it by now. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. Obviously, if you're, you, you know, you're lucky enough to be playing in the, in the top teams in the, in the playoffs and stuff, you do adapt to that well. Um, yeah, you, know, you could say I've used to it, even at Kidderminster, you know, there's an expectation there to try and get out of the conference north. Obviously, they've not done that just yet, but... Uh, hopefully they'll be one of the next teams to come up. Um, but yeah, no, I, I am used to it. But it's uh, it's a good a good um, kind of drive to to have really. Can I take Ryan back a little bit to those England Sea days? That's where obviously we first met Ryan, and also met your dad as well. And, and yep. you, know, you were both so engaging. Forget the football for a minute. You know, you made me feel very much part of that trip. Both of you. How is your old man? Is he is he good? Yeah, no, he's well. Yeah, he's, he's keeping well, keeping fit as well. <laughs> yeah, always. Um, for those that don't know, Ryan's dad, I mean, you might have to put me right exactly, but he's the captain of the English or British team for running up mountains. Is that right? <laughs> manager now, manager. He's got promotion, so he's up there. He's a managing that England kind of Felwyn team is. So Is he now waiting at the top corner? Come on, get yeah, on! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's waiting at the bottom or the top. I don't think he, I think he waits at the bottom. I don't think he gets up now, so uh, <laughs> no, he's doing well. More importantly, Ryan, um, Rob tells us he scored a header on that trip. Uh, no, he hit the bar. Oh, hit the bar, sorry, yeah, against yeah. Ben and Killip. No one else has seen any evidence of this, so you, you might have witnessed it. Yeah, no, I think he, the staff always get involved, to be fair, when we're doing the shape, uh, down to the physio, obviously, to the media team as well, so it's just, you know, everyone gets involved. It was good fun, to be honest, wasn't it? it you know, I mean, you must have loved that time. You, you, you captained the England C team as well. It must have been a very proud moment for you. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, obviously, even to to kind of, you know, put on the shirt, put on the kit, uh, you know, is a proud moment. But to be captain as well, obviously, I've got on with Paul uh, Fairclough there, the manager. And, um, you know, he's put a lot of trust in me and, and I've enjoyed every time I've, I've been away with him. Am I right in thinking, I might be wrong here, was one of his three games in charge of Barnet recently against Stockport? Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, we played them. Did you get a chance to say hello on the day or...? 
Yeah, yeah. I just asked him how he's how he's getting on, if he was enjoying it. And I think he replied that he wasn't enjoying it, <laughs> or if he's getting too old for it or what. But um, but no, it's good to catch up with him. Yeah, it's a tough job there. Just talking, uh, coming back to Stockport and the now and 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 the defensive solidity. That's almost obscene. That isn't it? Six goals conceded yeah. in fifteen, and you know I watched you and your side for ninety minutes at the EBB the other week. Didn't get a chance to say hi, but um, but. The overall feeling on that day was that it was so, so hard to break you guys down. And I, I can see, having watched that, you're so solid defensively that, um, n- no, you can't, you have to have your eye on both as a football team, don't you? So if your major, major objective is not to concede, and then you hope you've got the quality, I guess, to score at least one goal, if not uh, more. Um, has the new manager coming in set about making sure things are right at the back to start with? No, no, I think he has to be fair. Um, we've done a lot of work on kind of our shape and even even from set pieces and, and all kinds of things with that with the defensive side of it. Um and pro- maybe maybe we've done probably a bit too much work on that where you know you expect kind of the likes obviously Paddy Paddy coming in, uh, you've got John Rooney, Alex Reed, who are natural goal scorers, that kind of kind of take Kate's, takes care of itself, sorry. Um so you know, we like to think me kind of being a bit more defensively that we're keeping our keeping the ball out of our net and you know they can do their jobs up front but like you said it's getting that balance between both um you know and that's where a team would really kind of you know shoot up the leagues and, and, and push on how do you look at the uh, promotion race as it stands now you could look at it with two different eyes you could say that there's three or four clubs mm-hmm. still in the title race but with such an unpredictable league it could it could still even be five obviously Notts County a little bit off it but quite a lot of games at hand mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's tough. It's definitely a tough league this year. Um, obviously, they've got Hartlepool, who are new, new, new league leaders at the moment. With their, but they played a few games in hand as well. So, uh, no, it's tough. I think, I think going into it, you've kind of just like I said earlier on, we've got to focus on ourselves. Um, you know, hopefully, teams around us will drop points, but as long as you know, Stockport uh, keep winning games, um, that's all we can do. And hopefully, you know, a few, a few of the teams at the top will, will drop off. When I look at um successful sides, sides doing well. Quite often what I see is, yeah, you so-and-so is the captain, but I look round the team and I see three or four potential captains. You had that, didn't you, at Fylde, mm. um, for sure. I can remember the last time I watched them play. I look, well, at least four of them have been captain of a football club before. And it's a similar situation at County, isn't it? With, with you know, it's all very well. You've got you've got a manager, you've got assistant manager, but it's sometimes you have to take responsibility on the pitch, and you have to you have to lead on the pitch, don't you, in order to, you know, to keep strong, to keep together in difficult times, and and pull the guys through. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's a big big kind of part of a, of a of a team player. Um, you know, I think we've got, you know, probably four, like you said, four or five captains. Is you know Hogan, who's the captain at the moment. You've got Lois Maynard, John Rooney. Ash Palmer, who's been at Stockport, captain before. Yourself? I've been a captain before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, having that on the pitch is, is really helpful. And I think if everyone on the pitch is buying into to what's going off the pitch, uh, that, you know, cohesion is, is really important. That's a great um, point. Sorry, sorry, Brian. That, that's a great point that Rob asked as well, because if you have had a bad result or like you say, after the nil nil against Bromley, do those five or six plays maybe sit down separately from the rest of the team, have a chat about what's gone wrong, then chat with the team. And then you can chat it out that way and, and I'll work on it together then. Yeah, no, we, we have a leadership team, you know, as part of the players that, that go away kind of every month and have a sit down with the management team and, 
um, but a lot of the stuff you know the gaffer is doing it's all you know if it's meetings and if it's clips he's, he's asking our opinion on things or after the game he'll ask our opinion uh, you know in, in meeting rooms he's, he's asking us how we feel about how the game went so it is very connected which is which is really important um, do, you, do you like that as a player then? You know, right, you know, if he says like, what do you think? Do you, do you, cause sometimes it can be pent up. Do you feel like it's good that he's asked you so you can get out what you're feeling? Yeah, I think so. Obviously there's always that, that in the back of your mind thinking, I'm saying the right thing here. Is he going to judge me? But, you know, depending on the, on the manager, you know, Simon Rusk at the moment, he seems to think that, you know, what we say he's taking on board and things, which is vice versa. So that's that communication side, which is working really well. Um, but no, obviously, not everyone says you know he's not outspoken in the in the meetings. But you know, people chat between you know players, and it always kind of comes back to the to the same thing. I'm sure Mark McGee would let you know about Tony as well if you if you didn't agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's quite he's, he's very quiet, Mark. But I think when um when he does speak, you kind of your whole attention is on focus is on him. Um, but in terms of being around, he is quite quiet. And um, but no, he's obviously doing well as well. It seems to lead quite nicely there, talking about Hartlepool now going top um, as of yesterday. It couldn't have been lost on you, Ryan, the irony of whose boot it was that put them on top. I know, we were saying earlier, I think he's got a recorder, but I think he continues to score. We might be coming back to Edgley Park. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. But no, um, talking about Richie Bennett, of course. Um, and Boys, I mean, what I loved that finish yesterday um, <laughs> because... His first touch was okay. It wasn't the best, but it sort of came down quite vertical on him. And he just, he, he knew the defender was coming in to shut him down. And he swung, he swung his left foot and made a great connection. Chris, you've watched him play a little bit. I, I love finishes like that. It wasn't your standard routine finish, was it? Yeah, he's absolutely got that in his locker. I mean, it's been, he's often played as, uh, he's sometimes played on his own up front. So he's been, uh, he's been that target man. Sometimes he's had Alex Reid alongside him. But when he does get a sight of goal, I think, I think I'm right in saying that he's got the last goal with fans in the ground at um, Maidenhead last, no, was it Dagenham? I can't remember. Last game last season um, when they won 2 won the last. So he's the last player to score a goal where Stockport Park. County fans behind the goal could um, could celebrate, but yeah, he's he's definitely got that in his locker, and I mean he's a great player, and it's just that uh, it's probably the fact that we've got so many great players at, at Stockport County at the minute that he wanted uh, obviously wanted more minutes, so it's, it suits him, and uh, hopefully it'll suit Stockport County if he stops scoring for Hartlepool. <laughs> <laughs> and Hartlepool can only do what they can do now. They have played more games than the others, and and their lead's a very slender one. It's one point over Sutton. You've got several games in hand, but I guess all they can do is is, is keep you know getting the three points when they play and continuing their long unbeaten run. I guess if there's one possible advantage to Hartlepool going into the running now, it's the fact that unlike a lot of the other teams, they haven't got to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. They can they can prepare all week for a game, and and it's on that subject that I want to ask you as we've got a professional on Ryan. I know everything moves on quickly, you know, win, lose or draw on to Tuesday, on to Saturday. But the level of preparation for a game must increase when you've got a whole week to prepare for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, as a player, kind of the Saturday, me as a player, I prefer kind of the Saturday, Tuesday. I like to, to, you know, I I feel probably fitter and probably more stronger mentally as well when when the games are coming thick and fast. Um, But I think from a coaching perspective, they probably think, you know, I want a bit of time here to get the players down, get in the meeting room, 
you know, we can go through clips, we can get on the pitch as well and get, you know, get some real, real thoughts in between, in, in between the, in between the games. But um, as a player, I like them thick and fast, but you know, uh, yeah, there's definitely more time to, to put things into practice. Definitely. Well, I was just, just thinking about, I think your you result yesterday took County to um, eight games unbeaten. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's a lot of um, uh, other teams at near the top who are building similar or have got similar unbeaten runs together, which, you know, it, it all adds up to, a lot of excitement there. You get the feeling that when those teams in the top six, seven meet one another, that it's going to be absolutely crucial that they, you get three points, that that one point isn't going to satisfy anybody at that stage of the season, is it? So you've got some big games ahead, haven't you? Yeah, no, definitely. Obviously we've recently played, we drew to Sutton, we drew to Hartlepool. I think we've got Torquay coming up. So yeah, them them games obviously to get your kind of them three points ahead of your your, your league rivals is is really important. Um, our unbeaten run, I think we've drew a few and obviously won a few. So keeping that wins is is the most important thing now. We we've maybe nine ten games left. So if we can get them three points, I think that makes the big difference really. So hopefully we can continue to do that. Chris, Just to add add to that, Dickie and Ryan. I mean, though you might play that team again in. Um, in a, a few weeks' time, so the Wrexham game yesterday, there's a good chance that you know potentially, uh, say County finish fourth, Wrexham finish seventh. You know, you might play that team again. So it's a it's a marker in a way as well, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. Obviously, I think even when we played them at our place, it was that might have been three nil. Obviously, we're, so there's two kind of um, you know markers in the back of their mind as well to 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 get after us. So. Yeah, there's, uh, it's all probably mindset things which we can we can use. Obviously, say Stockport County beat Wrexham. It's three defeats in a row now for Wrexham, and uh, they were looking really, really solid. But it's just kind of it's fallen away a little bit now as well. Three games without a goal, also, and and also the the clearest penalty award of the day goes to Reese Hall Johnson, who who started to slide in, stopped, and then carried on sliding in, and and gave the referee the easiest decision of the day, I think. But Wrexham. Um, a funny team, aren't they? They'll have a long unbeaten run and then they'll, they won't win for ages. Yeah, well, just touching on our game yesterday, they started the better team. They kind of, you know, I think we had a corner within 30 seconds. Um, probably our first goal was probably kind of relaxed us a bit and we could grow into the game there. But, you know, I'd say they were the better team for the, probably 10, 15, 15 minutes. Um, it's just they're probably in the midfield, the good, you know, I think the two two lads who are up front did well. Um Probably their just defensive side of it, where you, where you've with our team, you've got kind of strikers that can uh, move you about, and I thought their defence was probably a bit too easy. Um, but you know, they did start the better team against us. Sutton didn't play. Sutton have got four games in hand though mm-hmm. on Hartlepool and and Torquay, a, a big win for them, Rob, wasn't it? Because they they fell behind to Weymouth, they were trailing at half time, and it looked like it was going to be another frustrating afternoon for the goals, but they, they won it late on. Yeah, Weymouth, I think we said, probably the freest team right now, um, you know, in the National League. The, the, the threat of relegation's taken away. They've had a right good go at it. They've been a different team, really, since uh, Dallas came in uh, on loan from Cambridge. And and um, they're a really dangerous opponent right now. And I think when uh, when they took the lead yesterday, that would have been a difficult one. Obviously, you've got a little element of the kind of South... I mean, Tom would argue differently, wouldn't he? He'd say Weymouth isn't southwest, but where we all look from on the map, it's southwest, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's Dorset southwest. Exactly. Well, you you know, you, listen. If Tom was on, he'd ta- he'd tell you they're not. We've had this argument off air, but no. <laughs> but um, no, for Torquay, that what they've done is obviously addressed their their poor run, 
And now they've got that nice habit of finding a way. And, and I'd love to see the stats on it, actually. I'm not sure whether Torquay or Sutton have scored the most goals in the last five minutes or 90-plus this season. Mm. But it must be close between them. Um, I don't know how many times Gary Johnson and, uh, and, and Matt Gray have, have rustled up those, those late winners. Um, wasn't quite so late, was it, yesterday? But uh, Torquay now, you know, three points behind Sutton and played one game more. Effectively, it's still six, but they've, you know, they've played one of the, one of the games, haven't they? So it's, it's tight. Um, my, my gut and everything says that Sutton will have enough to hold on, but it's a great habit, Ryan, isn't it? If you can, <laughs> whether it's a late winner or a clean sheet and, you know, just the ability to be going late into games and get key goals in those last five minutes and beyond. Massive. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating, obviously, playing against them, you know, I think Sutton went for a period where they scored the winner or to equalise, and like you said, in the ninety-plus minute, um, you know, if you're a team against that, it kind of shoots you, shoots you straight in the heart. So, and that can affect you from from the goals going on. Um, so, yeah, no, it's frustrating, but I think uh, you know, if if you can have that ability in a team to to push on, you know, it's really important, especially if you're up there as well. Who can we rule out then, Rob? I'm just looking at the table now and because of all the games are all over the shop at the minute, you know, obviously Stockport are nine points behind there in fifth. Knox County are two points further back. Sorry, three points further back, but they've got five games in hand on Hartlepool. Um, yeah. And then even Chesterfield have got five games in hand on Hartlepool and they're only another point back. Uh, how far down do you go before you're saying you can rule them out as title contenders? Um, well, I think we can... I think. Probably two or three games ago, we couldn't rule Wrexham out, but I think we can now. Yeah. Um, they're obviously still in a great position to push for the playoffs. I think Halifax are massively overachieving. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about them in a bit, obviously, because you watched them yesterday. Um, I don't know if we can 100% count out Chesterfield with the run that they're on. I mean, they'd have to continue a run similar to what they've been doing. But... Um, I think, listen, from Chesterfield's point of view, let's not get carried away. James Rowe's taken them from third or fourth bottom to sixth. And they are now looking really, really solid for the playoffs. Um, you can't rule Notts County out because of the amount of games that they've got left. They've got 12 games left, more than anyone else in there. Um, and they do have the resource, the capability, um, if they can get it going, to, um, to still have a say in the title race. Personally, having watched them twice... It's really hard for me because they didn't play very well either game against Aldershot. And Aldershot have taken six points off Nash, uh, Notts County this year. So would I... And they didn't play well on Saturday either, did they? So they're very inconsistent. They are. And I think it's more for those reasons rather than the mathematical points and games that I would probably say Notts County realistically are out of it. So I think you've got to look at four teams. I, c- I couldn't rule Ryan's lot out and... Um, I guess it's the old adage, Ryan, isn't it? You you can sit back on a Sunday and have a look at the table and think what might happen. But yeah. once you're back in the bubble and in the zone, it's just all about that next game, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's even after games, obviously everyone's on the phone thinking, you know, you know, if we win that game, we'll go there. And, you know, that's always the case as a player, as a fan, as, as a manager or whatever it is. But, yeah, when you get back into your club, you go get there Monday morning, you focus on the next game. And, you know, we've got Kingsland on Tuesday. Um, so, you know, we've got to focus on that now and just do our job and hopefully, you know, things will take care of itself. 
Do you, in terms of like, do you feel more relaxed than being in fourth, knowing what you've got to do rather than say being in Hartlepool's position where you're looking over your shoulder thinking, oh God, everyone's chasing us now? Yeah, I suppose so. When you when you kind of have them them games in hand against other teams, you, you you're always thinking them games in hands are wins automatically as a as a person. Um, but I suppose Hartlepool have them points on the board. Uh, no one's going to take them away from them at the moment. So, yeah, there's that that doubt of it. But I suppose you know you've you've got to focus on yourselves. And you know Hartlepool, you know, are, are top of the league at the moment. So you know they're doing well. The playoff shakeup is really interesting as well. Halifax are in that last playoff place. I know. I heard the the podcast that. Um, you did on Easter Monday, Rob, uh, yourself and uh, Dickie, and, and saying about what a good job Pete Wilder's done. And they've gone really under the radar and they beat Olchigan 1-0 yesterday. It, it wasn't a spectacular performance, but it was really solid. They looked solid defensively. And when Olchigan did get through, Sam Johnson made two or three really good saves. And, and it does a massive match for them on Tuesday. They play Wrexham, and then they have Kingsland at home the next Saturday. And it's really, really tight. I mean, you've got Wrexham, as I say, on a bad run. Eastleigh drew nil-nil against Woking on Saturday, but they've just added Adam Marriott to the rank. So mm. you don't, it's, it's, it's really tough to call, especially for that last playoff spot. Yeah, no, the, I think I've, I, I know Neil Burnu, obviously from Fylde, at Halifax. And um, I spoke to him briefly um, on Friday. Um, but I think they've got all their squad back fit as well. So they're coming into kind of a good time to have everyone available. And, you know, Halifax, you probably wouldn't say nice on the eye or, you know, can play that fluid football, but are working hard to, to pick up results and, you know, coming to the end of the season. That's the main thing. And, you know, Pete Wilde's doing a great job there. Um, you know, I know a few of the lads and they speak highly of him. So You made a really good point there, Ryan, because in the two games, two 90 minutes I've seen Halifax play against Aldershot, there were a large period where Aldershot looked a much better team. But you know what? Ultimately, both those games, Halifax won them in the end. Yeah. They, found, they found a way. And, and that's what I think Pete Wilde needs a lot of credit for. Um, and uh, Luke, you know, tell us a little bit more, obviously, about, about yesterday's game at Altrincham and the 1-0 win there. But um, the danger will be yeah. if Halifax can sneak in, even in that seventh spot, that Pete Wilde was there with them last year. Um, and he will have learned a lot from that, wouldn't he? They, they, they were they were one nil up and out playing Boreham Wood, uh, and um, Grant Smith made a worldy save just before half time. Otherwise, Halifax would have gone two nil up, and uh, it could have been a very different story. Yeah, I mean, well, there wasn't much more to add from what I mentioned before. Jack Earing was the best player on the pitch, and Halifax's best player, and he got the goal, the first goal of the day actually in the National League after twelve minutes. Um, but just before that, Olchkin had hit the bar, but it was a good save by Sam Johnson. He got his foot on it and it hit the bar. And then second half, Halifax sucked it up and, and tried to hit Olchkin on the break, but they weren't that effective with it, really. And that's something that, that Pete Wilde talked about when I caught up with him after the game. Pete, a 1-0 win, job done in the end. Yeah, yeah, job done. Um, I thought we started really well in the first 20 minutes. I thought we deserved our goal. Uh, we then decided to sort of sit off and frustrate. I thought we did that really well first half. And then second half, we didn't keep hold of the ball well enough and we just kept inviting them on. Um, we tried to change it to try and grip the football. Um, but we just didn't hold on to the ball well enough to, to create or that final pass to create attacks deep in their half. But all in all, really pleased. Yeah, so at this stage of the season, I suppose it's just all about the result, isn't it? As much as the frustrations around you not keeping the ball. Yeah, it's, it's all about the results and Altrincham's home record and, and how good Altrincham are as a football club and a team uh, to come here and win. Uh, in don't matter how you win, but we've come here and won and, and not many teams will do that, so I'm really pleased. Keeping a strong position as well, obviously, being a good week off, good couple of weeks off the field as well as on it, hasn't it? 
Yeah, it has. It has. We, we've got to keep going. Little old Halifax, keep punching yeah. above the weight, and yeah. um, and that's all we can keep doing. We just keep uh, pushing and pushing and pushing to see where it takes us. Do you feel you get the credit you deserve, both personally and as a club? Or I'm not bothered. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't care less. Yeah, um, uh, we just keep going about our business, and we make sure that we, we keep churning out results, and that's all that matters. As long as within the football club, we know what we're about. That's all I'm bothered about. And talking of Pete Wilde, you say you can see how highly the, the club hold him as well, what, what high regard they hold him in, because he's just been given a new two-year contract over the last week or so as well. And um, he's doing a, he's very modest there as well. I asked him about, do you feel that they don't get the credit that they deserve? And he said, I don't care. So, I mean, do you feel, Rob, Dickie, that he doesn't maybe get the credit that he deserves? Maybe sometimes from his own fan base as well. I don't know. I'm not close enough to the, the reaction around... And I've heard you say in the past, Halifax doing quite well just outside the playoffs or whatever, uh, and the fans are still not happy. I, I, that may, t- you know, it may be the the same thing that happens to an awful lot of clubs. And Ryan would know about this. You know, when clubs have got league histories, when they're just or they're just hell bent on one thing, getting back there, anything short of that is never enough. You know, but I think Pete Wilde's record in management is very, very good, isn't it? He was he was caretaker manager a couple of times. At Oldham, wasn't he, when they were in trouble and steered them away from danger? Um, he looks like the nicest guy in the world. I've, I've spoken to him once. He is, or twice, but... He's very gentle. I can't imagine him shouting <laughs> at anyone, really. No, I can't imagine him, you know, kicking the teacups around the dressing room. Uh, is he someone that you've met in your time in football, Ryan, or not particularly? Yeah, no, I've, I've briefly spoke to him. Like you said, comes across really nice. Um, obviously, I've not played under him, so I wouldn't know what he would be like in the dressing room. But, you know, I think... If, if something did tick you off in, in, in a footballing environment, there's always the way to react. And he might his way might be, you know, the nice guy. So he might have an assistant manager who's the who's the bad guy. But no, he's he's doing well. And you know, obviously I've got good friends there, at, you know, Neil Byrne at Halifax. So no, they're doing well. The one thing I heard him moan about afterwards, Rob, was like yourself, he moaned that he was waiting for the barbers to open and needed a haircut. <laughs> that was his big gripe from Saturday. So, oh, yeah. I, I, bet it, I bet it was. Halifax beat Altrincham. And the big news as well for Altrincham this week in that Phil Parkinson signed a new three-year deal at Altrincham. But the significance of it is he's a full-time manager and it's the first full-time manager in the club's history. And uh, it's a big moment for Altrincham, isn't it, uh, Dickie and Rob? Um, in terms of Altrincham, the, the club, they're growing all the time, aren't they? And this is another step for them. It certainly looks to be, yeah. I, I think um, tempting Phil Parkinson away from, um, I gather he's a, a sports science lecturer during the week, um, which probably quite to ties in quite well to being to being a coach or a football manager, but to to pull him away from that to to make him go all in with Altrincham suggests um, that they are they're making plans and he likes to look at those plans and he's been willing to commit to those full time in the same way that Neil Sorvel has done. We know they've had some new directors at Altrincham in the last six months or so, and and yeah, they're making plans to establish themselves in that top division and possibly even better than that. It, it's a huge mark of the, the the job that Phil Parkinson has done since he's come in there. It's two promotions because when he came in, they were actually in the Northern Premier League and he got them promoted into National League North. Only two seasons in National League North. They were in the playoffs in their first season. They were somewhat unlucky. So they're on an upward trajectory and clearly he's seen enough there and they've seen enough in him to, to want to, make that a more permanent thing and carry on. Yeah, I caught up with Phil Parkinson uh, after the game and here are his thoughts. So Phil, um, about an hour after full time, what, what are your emotions? Uh, really 
disappointed with the result, pleased with the performance. Bit of a broken record, really. I've been like that most of the season. The performances after probably the the first uh, eleven games really have been good. There's been the odd game here or there where we've not been happy with it, but not very often. The, the big thing for us is we've just got to score when we're on top, as every team do, or have them opportunities. We have more than enough opportunities to score today. Sam's made some great saves for them, by the way. Our keeper's not had a save to make, but the, the goal that they scored, which. I couldn't quite see it. Someone was in my eye line. Everyone's telling me it was a great strike. So to be beat by a goal from outside the box when, for me, in my opinion, we've dominated the game. I know people say, well, they've just sat back. But they didn't look like they were coming to press even at the start of the game. So we've still got to play our way. We can't. We don't deviate from the way that we play. I was really pleased with it. It's just really, really tough at the moment because you're going in front of the lads who are used to winning every single week. For the last three seasons or fourth season now, and it's difficult for them to take. It's difficult for me to take. You expect to be going in, shouting and screaming and yeah. saying, putting the world to rights, but you're not. You're sort of pointing out the things we've done well, and the obvious thing we're not able to do at the moment is put the ball in the back of the net. But that's the difference, isn't it? Yeah, just it's fine margins, isn't it? It so seems fine, to be. Yeah. yeah, so fine. I mean, the amount of one nil wins we've had or one nil defeats we've had is frightening. But that's this level. We've had lads who've come all the way up from us from the MPL to the National League level, won a championship, been involved in the playoffs, two years on the bounce. They've been top end of this table for a period of weeks, um, been mid-table, been above the other teams who have come up uh, and well above them as well. Um, so we've done well. It's just it's disappointing because we can see how close we are. It's not like we're hanging on in games. I mean, we're playing Halifax area, yeah. pushing for promotion, and we're, we're dictating to them from start to end. It's it's difficult to take. I'm sure you'd have taken this position at this stage of the season if I'd have offered you at the start of the season. Yeah, well, we set 50 points as a target. We're nearly there, and probably have to shave five points off that with Macclesfield and uh, Dover not playing. So we're pretty much where we wanted to be, uh, and we've just got to move forward again now. So obviously. The commitment myself and Neil have made going into full-time shows what we believe mm. in this group, in this football club, because hey, me personally, I put everything on the line. Um, I've given up a career I've had for 15 years because I believe in what we're doing here and I believe this club can get to the FL one day or I certainly wouldn't do it. We've just got to bridge them gaps. The biggest issue we're always going to have here is is the financial one. We're, yeah. we're one of the probably bottom two or three financially in the league in terms of budgets. So no matter what we do, we're always going to be punching there. We've got to get the best out of our players, but I think you can see there we do. We do get the best out of what we've got. Yeah, a big moment in it this week with the announcement of you and Neil signing your contracts here and you're the first full-time managers ever at Altrincham. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully that's a good thing, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. we'll see. Only time will tell. And listen, uh, being the Altrincham manager carries a weight of expectation. Um, so... I know me bridging into full-time people will naturally think, oh, well, everything will be OK now. It won't. There's a number of other things we've got to do. That's just something to help this football club move forward. I was willing to do that because, as I said, I believe in this football club. I believe in the board. They've backed myself and Neil. I believe in the players because I've had opportunities. Like Players will have opportunities to move on because we've been successful, but I've stayed here because I believe in what we do. Just quickly, Ryan, obviously you played Altrincham twice over Christmas. Very good football inside, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Um, I think we played them... I can't remember, this year or last season, maybe it for, I don't know, it's for five that's we played them in the pre-season well and they absolutely boxed us off the park. The first 20 minutes, it took us a, a long time to get to gist of their kind of, especially the rotation in midfield. Um, and obviously, yeah, they're, they're doing well. It's I think we played them, it was the pitch was awful at the time. So probably for a footballing team, having that kind of pitch, you know, is, is an important factor. 
if they could get that kind of sorted out, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll shoot. Rob, you made a good point about Borum Wood last week. They'd drawn the seven games previous to that. And you said, obviously, if they lose the next one, all of a sudden, it's, it's, they're not winning eight. But if they win it, all of a sudden, they're unbeaten in eight. And, and they did. They beat Wealdstone by three goals to one. And all of a sudden, when Luke Garrard looks at it, it it's looking a lot rosier. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a phenomenal run they've been on. Nine draws out of ten and seven on the trot. And if you look at the way the goal scoring went yesterday, it was level for a long while. Fifield uh, headed home with 18 minutes to go. And then with just eight minutes to go, Jacob Mendy got the leveller for Wildstone. And you think, well, that fits the script. It's happened again. Boreham would have thrown away another lead. But they didn't bank on uh, Kabongo Shimanga, did they? Because uh, it's like I said when he was at Aldershot the other week, I swear there was only 15 minutes in which he really... He really took hold of that football match at Aldershot and uh, clearly he did the same thing again yesterday. Uh, goals on 84 and 90 plus four, just to make absolutely sure they, they didn't concede again. And it would have been a massive relief to Luke Garrard. And all that really matters is that they look at the table now and they're within touch of the playoffs. They're six points off it, but I think it's obvious that Garrard would have easily chucked away a few of those draws for a couple of losses just to get some more wins. You know, it's not his intention to keep drawing football matches. But the great thing for for Borenwood and also for for Bromley, who we'll talk about in a minute as well, they've got that player who will always get a goal from somewhere, from nothing. Um, And I think it's now going to be a two-horse race for the top scorer in the National League this season. Uh, between Shimanga and, and Michael Cheek, who scored again yesterday, the all-important winning goal for Bromley. Um, I haven't got the numbers in front of me. I don't know if you have, Dickie, but I think the two of them are out on their own now. Cheek's, uh, got, Cheek's got 19, Shimanga's got 15, and Alex Reed's on 13. Yeah. I guess the, if, if there was anybody to threaten Shimanga or Cheek, it's a fair bet that, that might come from your team, Ryan, because in Alex Reed and John Rooney... Yeah. Um, They've scored a huge proportion of your team's goals, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Yeah, they're doing well. And obviously, really scoring two yesterday was important for him. Obviously, he's missed out probably the last few games with with game time. Um, but I think uh, he got back on the bus yesterday and looked through the phone and saw that Cheek and, <laughs> and Josh Munger had scored as well, which was probably more frustrating for him where he's put two away. Um, so he's constantly looking at that. And as a strike, obviously, that's not something I would look into, but I think they're always thinking, you know, what are the other goal scorers doing in the league and, you know, how, how, how they compare to them. You don't get, you know, with the, with the position that you predominantly play, you don't get too many chances. But I guess that TV game the other week must have, must have been frustrating for you because you popped up on the edge of the box twice, didn't you? And I think you got yeah. your shot on target, but they just weren't going in for you. No, no, it's frustrating. And probably as a holder midfielder, and you get into them positions, you're thinking just hit the target where, as a goal scorer like John or, or, or Reedy, uh, they're thinking shoot to score, uh, which is probably a natural instinct for them. Um, but obviously, last, you know, I fouled last season with the, with the relegation, but, you know, I got into good areas there. I, was, I had licence to get forward, uh, which meant I got kind of seven or eight goals. Um, but this time I am a lot deeper and probably, you know, more consistent at that holding midfielding role. I was just going to say on Bromley as well, I think Andy Woodman pointed out in his post-match on, on Saturday, Rob, as well. I think it's the first time we've had back-to-back clean sheets since 2018 as well. He said it's been a while and, and he made that point to the players and I think he's looking to get them more solid. Yeah, like it's like Ryan said earlier on, you know, any new manager coming in, that's what you've got to do. You've got to start from the back and build and uh, 
you know, that, make no bones about that result. That was against a wounded Dagenham and Redbridge, you know, who'd been on a half-decent run until last weekend uh, and then had a very, very poor performance and result against Aldershot. And, uh, you know, that, that second consecutive defeat for Dagenham without scoring, and I hate to bring it up, I think this is the subject that we've brought up more than any other on the podcast this season. But... Um, in this fickle world of, of, of football and ambitious owners and everything else, Darren McMahon needs a couple of results from somewhere again pretty quick, doesn't he, right now? It was interesting as well, actually, when we interviewed Darren McMahon on the podcast the other week and he sort of said, what will be will be regarding the playoffs. And I know there's a, a bit of reaction to us on Twitter to that, saying I'm, I'm quite surprised at his comments, really. I mean, we, we obviously we don't know what's said behind closed doors, whether there is because it is quite a youngish side that Dagenham have got, whether they've said, make sure you improve us from last year and then we'll have a real shot at it next year. But like you say, again, they've made they've made quite a big stride investment-wise. They've brought in the likes of McCallum and um, surely they'd be wanting more. And it's difficult because of, there's not many games left now and the playoffs, you feel, have have gone for them. So is it, maybe that's why they're sticking with him, potentially, do you think? I don't know. It's a difficult one. You know, look, at the end of the day, we, we have to be realistic here. We're observers. We're not within the walls of these clubs, so so we don't know. But, you know, if if, if there's a manager in the National League you know, feeling more uncomfortable than Darren, Darren McMahon right now, I, I, I'd be surprised. I, I'm going to counter your point about them being a quite a young side. I, I disagree. The players they've brought in, Rance, Reynolds, um, obviously Kenny Clark. Um, McCallum, these are not these are not young players. These are proven quality players at this level of football. Rance and Reynolds have been captain at their previous teams. You know, McCallum was the top scorer in the division two years ago. So, um, you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. One of the perhaps more difficult challenges for the owners at Dagenham is they are predominantly, I think, based in America. So. You know, any changes they want to make, any, um, you know, yeah, just any changes they might, that, that they might want to make. You know, they've got a range of a trip over, which might be difficult during a pandemic as well. Although we must have had a, van, a manager fired by text or Zoom by now, I would imagine. <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, but another where there's been dra- another club where there's been drama going on over the, the last few weeks has been at Barnet, and their, their chairman Tony Cleanthus came out this week with a statement, and he had a bit of a Q and A, um, and he basically said, rather surprisingly, he said, "Oh, we weren't expecting the season to start in October; expecting to start in December." So we're on the back foot, and he says recruitment hasn't been good since. I think he had a little dig at John Still about recruitment earlier, a couple of seasons earlier, and he also mentioned about the fans who were criticising, he called them um, twittering fans on there, and there was a lot of response to that on the forums, going, "Why well, go to the games?" And I, you know, I'm not happy with him. And there's been a very strong response, especially on the forum this week, people saying. Well, I've been, you know, I've been behind you, but now I'm, uh, my support swaying for him a little bit. And it's been really interesting. They've, they've brought in Dave Anderson, who we know from another podcast. <laughs> and um, they've also brought in Simon Bassey. And, and, and Bassey got a tune out of him, didn't he, in the end, Dickie? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he had. Uh, he was the, the man with the golden touch yesterday. Um, well, at least, at least as far as Barnett concerned, a, a point for them is... Yeah, a decent result actually in the context of how they've been going recently, although their their lengthy um, run without a win continues. Um, it's just really difficult to 
see what's going on at Barnet. At least they have a, a new manager in place now and they can plan a bit for the future. But I don't think the statement from Tony Kleanthos really helped an awful lot in midweek. There seemed to be, as you say, there, there's mention of the fans there. There's mention of recruitment. I think the one thing that was probably missing from it was any mention of his own failings in that, which, not being funny, never seems to go down well when you look as if you're blaming everybody else. Yeah. So it's tough times at Barnet. So it's not hard to see why the response from some of the supporters was was the way it was, to be perfectly honest. And there's big rumours as well that um, Simon Bass has been brought in because he's good mates of Neil Ardley. Neil Ardley's maybe got something to sort out in Notts County. He's So Neil Ardley's maybe going to come in as manager in the summer. There's, there's rumours of Jamie Fullerton as director of football as well. And they're, they're trying to restructure everything. So um, it'll be interesting times ahead at Barnet. And it's like we spoke about a few weeks ago, maybe they're making this move now to, to get solid foundations in place for the summer again. Well, they're in a mess. And I think... The, the chairman's statement pretty much confirmed that, really. Um, it's a difficult one. Um, the response, and people can look at it for themselves on Twitter, I, I don't think we could really read any of those, many of those responses out because they were quite forthright and they included quite a lot of swear words as well. So uh, that hasn't gone down well with the Barnet fans, although uh, Cleanthus does, does make the point that there are a body of people that have been had it in for Barnet ever since they moved from Underhill. Um, but as I say, how much that helps, I don't know. I think, and it's difficult to ask, you know, we've got Ryan here, obviously, from a professional point of view. I, I don't want to ask him about managers' situations at other clubs. That's not fair. But for a set of players that are now under their fourth different management in a season, it must be a torrid time. Nobody wants to be at a club when that sort of thing's happening, uh, Ryan, do they? No, it's difficult. Difficult for the players, for the fans, for you know everyone with that. You know, I, <clears throat> I mentioned briefly about when, when Jim did leave and the new manager come in, there's that cohesion straight away and the communication between the players and the manager and you know, that even coming down from the top and the chairman where at Barnet there doesn't seem to be that connection just yet. Um hopefully you know they can get that right because that's another big club that have dropped in dropped into the lower leagues where they probably their fans probably think they should be back up there. Um, but it's not easy having the having the connection between to, between a certain manager and the and the players. But as players, when it's swapping and changing, it is difficult. Um, normally, when a new manager comes in, you get an automatic lift of life and you have a bit of freedom. But you know, after when it happens kind of two or three times, it's probably gonna it's gonna drag it out. A lot of the fans' dissent is is about the hive is because it's not actually in the, the borough of Barnet. So that that's where a lot of the dissent comes from. But but equally the sympathy for him because Underhill could never be sort of developed or expanded and the Football League were giving him grace periods and I think they would have been booted out of the Football League if they hadn't have moved ground. So th- there is that sort of that, that side of it as well. But yeah, it's um it's a case of watch this space on Barnet and see what happens next season. Um just to wrap it up then, got Kingsland. They uh, they look like they were gonna pull off a shock against Chesterfield and eventually uh the equalised yeah. Nathan Tyson delivered a little jab before uh, Tom Whelan delivered the knockout blow for Kings Lynn. So, uh, yeah, Chesterfield going well as well in the playoffs. Um, mm. Looking ahead to midweek, Dickie, I mean, the, the standout fixture is obviously Halifax against Wrexham. Yeah, it looks to be with, with Wrexham having just uh, dropped outside of the playoffs now and Halifax being just inside. It's another game that, particularly with Wrexham being on this three-game three, three game, um sequence of, of having lost matches over Easter and also having lost yesterday to Ryan's 
Stockport team, they really need a win from that one. So they they've they need to they need to dig in. They need to get something. Halifax are in the playoffs, so they'll want to be hanging on to that. So it is the standout fixture in in the midweek program. Absolutely. Yes, agree. <laughs> well, We're allowed to say, do that as a football gonna... podcast. Uh, Sutton are playing Torquay on Tuesday night. You know that's <laughs> that's that's second against the. Ah, one. they are, they are. So that that has to take top billing. I'll either be at or watching Weymouth against Aldershot. It's a bit of a logistical nightmare me for, for, for me that one. But getting down to the um, southwest, eh, Rob? <laughs> yeah, down to the southwest. Yeah, it's going to feel like the southwest anyway, not just the south. If I do go. Um, but the other game we have to take a little look at in midweek is uh, Stockport County against Kings Lynn. And who better to do it with than, than Ryan? Um, Ryan, Kings Lynn, and a little bit like Weymouth, they're dangerous opposition right now because, one, you know, they've got nothing to lose. Two, um, they've brought in a lot of new players. So it's going to be a tough one for your manager, Simon Russ, to say this is how Kings Lynn are going to play because Matt Gray told us the other week they changed their four. Their, their formation three times in the one game. Yeah, no, it is. It's a kind of one of those potential banana skins where you know we played Weymouth away, you know, a few weeks ago and, and ended up losing one nil there. So, and likewise with Barnet when we played them, you know, they have that kind of freedom where there isn't anything to play for for them. So, players are going to kind of have a bit of a, a lift from that. So, yeah, no, we'll be working tomorrow morning. Obviously, working hard on that. You know, hopefully we can um, continue in our in our form and, and look after ourselves and. You know, I'd like to think we've got enough kind of, you know, in our team to, to put them to bed. But every game in the National League is completely different. You don't know what to expect. So it's all always tough. Yeah, I was just going to mention with the Kingsland thing. One thing we didn't mention about the game with Chesterfield yesterday is um, Kingsland were weakened going into that one by the fact that Chesterfield signed one of Kingsland's standout players from that period just before the game. I think it was announced at two o'clock that they'd signed Cairo Mitchell um, for an undisclosed fee. And he wasn't allowed to take part in that game yesterday, but he's not going to be um, lining up for Kings Lynn on Tuesday evening. He's going to be a Chesterfield player from now on. Yeah, and also interesting, a player that Ryan will see closely as well on Tuesday, Sonny Carey, who's got suitors. I think Brentford and Swansea are interested in him. I've seen him two or three times a season. He's a fantastic player. He won't be at Kings Lynn next season, put it that way. Yeah, no, I'll have to keep an eye out. What position does he play? Is he, he's, will he's I be in... number ten. He's a number 10. Kind of, you'll be chasing him, Ryan. Yeah. Any pointers? <laughs> yeah, uh, I tell you what, we could be in trouble here if in the first five minutes on Tuesday night, Sonny Kerry gets a very hard tackle from Ryan. Know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be blaming you. Said over him, I've heard about you. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Well, uh, that is it. Thank you very much, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I've enjoyed it. Uh, Rob Dickey and obviously Chris as well who's, who's had to leave us um, but yeah thanks guys for joining us don't forget to subscribe to us as always on all good podcasting platforms give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time and we're also on Instagram now as well uh, that's NL Full Time I think we're still getting used to all that and the email is nlfulltime at gmail.com until then look after yourselves and we'll see you all very soon <laughs>